Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Especially in the world of which we live in, everything is so um, unsettled. I need something settled. You know, I need something to believe in that's firm, that's not, I'm going to have to get up in the morning and wonder what's going on. You know, I can anchor myself to something that's solid. And, and our beliefs and what we believe is not going to change. It, it's not going to be with the ongoing of the tide or whatever. It's not going to be to someone's philosophy or, or I don't have to worry. And for this, I say with as much kindness as I can, uh, I don't have to worry about some minister saying he has a new revelation because the revelation we've been given and God anoints men to reveal the revelation of which he's already given. So everybody, we know his word. We can read his word. And he uses his ministers to teach that revelation to us. But God is not only kind to his ministers, he's kind to his children. That's why I said you want to know something, you know, all you got to do is hide yourself away. And God would not withhold, you know, you just do it. And and I just, um, I appreciate that because... If, if you have looked on, just scroll through the channels, and there's so many messages, and if you was truly, truly desiring to be a, a Christian, you would truly need the Spirit of God to direct you, because how would you know what to believe? Because there's so many mixed signals that sent, and, but the Bible says God knows the heart of the individual. So he knows of the one that's seeking him versus the one that just, well, I'm sort of interested, you know, maybe I'll bite, you know. But there's just so many mixed signals. And that's why when somebody, you know, somebody has taken a shot at us and so you say you're the truth, and boy, I'll just tell them in a minute, no, I'm not. I am not the truth. This is the truth, and I'll, I'll say that till I die. You know, I'm not so arrogant to think that I'm the truth. All I am is, by his grace, a representative of this truth, and that's only by his grace. And so I'm not arrogant enough to think that, that we have the total truth. I mean, we have enough revelation that's been given to us what we can comprehend. I mean, we will die not knowing all of God. That is the truth. 
And as much as we apply ourselves and, and attach ourselves to God, God reveals Himself to us. Does that mean we're not children of God? No, we are children of God. If we have went through the biblical plan, but yet there is so vast, God is so vast, and how much that we could know of Him depends on how much we really want to know. It really is. We are as spiritual as we want to be. We live in the real world. We have issues. We have responsibilities that's put on us. We have things laying on our mailbox that we can't say go away, that we must deal with. And I believe God factors all that in. But yet God puts no restrictions when it comes to how spiritual we want to be. Because he just, he just put an unended approach when he says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. And that's what he's going to do. And when he told uh, the, I just, I'm, I'm so much at conflict, me personally, with today's message that just, just throw it out there. Just take God, do him any way you want to, and welcome to glory. And, you know, I think the, the true church is painted a black eye for this. If you say you believe you stand for anything, oh my, my goodness, I can't believe you believe that. God paid the price. It was all done at Calvary. You know, why do anything? And, uh, you know, and it, maybe, you know, I'll just take it as me. But I'm saying these analogies that's been given us because when, when God said, you go back, he told them the promise was to Abraham. He says, every step that you make, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread. But you finish that verse. It had a boundary. This wouldn't go for a walk, and anywhere you walk is yours. Any place your foot shall tread within the boundary is yours. And God has given us, the New Testament church, a lot of promises within the confines of the boundaries. There is so many promises that are given to us and so many things that we can claim, but there are guidelines and um, boundaries put up. But it's just like when, if you was to raise a child and if you were a parent or a guardian of any kind. You know, how many times have we been told boundaries is for our protection? You need a boundary. You need to know the limit. I mean, because if you if you are around, I have always, you know, you got some kids, and I, I don't know. Um, my mother's not here, so I'll take advantage of her not being here. But I'm 18 months older than my brother, so she said she just made me grow up because she didn't want two kids close, so she just forced me to grow up. So, and then she said, I always acted older than I was. But I'm telling you the truth. When I was a child, children got on my nerves. <laughs> that is the truth. And this is what I mean. And this is what I mean by that statement. When you have someone that has no boundaries... And just, I'm speaking as a children, and they just go wild and they act like it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. I didn't even like that as a child. 
And I like it a whole lot less now that I'm an adult. But the thing of it is, we need boundaries. And what boundaries does is teach us discipline. It teaches us how to discipline. And all God is trying to do is teach us to discipline this house that we live in. Because if I can control the man that I look at every day, then I can let God rule the spirit that he wants to house in here. And that's why he said, you know, you have, I've given you this place. I've given it to you. Just go. There's boundaries, yes. But this boundary is so vast. You look at it on a map sometime. Canaan was so big. And he said, just step it off. It is literally yours. It is there. Now, the promises awaited them. And you look at it, why did it happen? I don't know why it happened the way it did. All that I know is it was not God's will, but just one, one thing that we could relate to today is just if you, the GPS, most people have them on their phones, but when GPS was out and you made a wrong turn, it said recalculating. You know, how many times has God done that with us? You know, it's just like, oh, Lord, you know, what am I going to do? You know, and God said, you know, I don't know what God said. But the thing of it is, he didn't throw us away. He takes and he just still deals with us because we are his created beings. So when he took and, and, and the children, when they sent out, it was never God's will to send man out front. And so when they went out, they wanted to go, you know, God said, I'll go before you. They said, no, we want, we want to go before us. And God said, no. And when they went out and when they did this and they were sentenced to the 40 years and, you know, why they had to do this, all I know is that 20 years up, you know, is the only ones that made it, you know, or died rather. And then so you got, God said, I, I've got to clear all this out. So I take from that, if I think I'm going to play a little bit with something I shouldn't be doing, look, what, look at the extent that God did as an analogy to now. And his church suffered for it. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. You know, I, I can think I can just do a little bit wrong, and it won't affect you? You know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, but somehow God says, but I won't just totally throw you away. You know, I'll deal with it. And one verse I'm going to read, I didn't, I didn't give them nothing, so we'll just do this the old-fashioned way. Or if you don't want to look it up, you can just read. You, you can just listen. But has... As Israel had went through this, and I think there are times that we get in our spiritual, our spiritual self, that we just get into something, and whether we get in a rut, we can all understand that, or you just get into a place and you feel like you're just going through something, you're just going through the motions. So Israel was here, and God said it like this in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 3. He said, you have compassed this mountain long enough. 
turn ye northward. Now he said through mercy, you've been here long enough. It's time to leave. He says, you've went through this. All those that have caused this have paid the price. They've took, and even the ones, and, you know, I've said it, and I don't know if people really, you talk to people in general, and I don't know if they really believe you. But I've told people, in, in, in speaking, I said, if you sit under a minister, and they tell you a falsehood, and you believe it, God's still going to hold you accountable. And they just look at me like I'm wrong. But look at this. The Bible says these 12 men that was chosen, they had a rapport with the people. The people knew them. That's why Israel believed them. That's why God killed the 10 instantly when they come back. God took their life. And the, and the people that believed the false report, God just let them die out. God said, you not taking none of this doubt with you into Canaan. That's why I said, if you believe someone and you don't have enough spiritualness about you to look in his word to see if you're being told the truth, it is my belief, you don't have to believe it, but I believe God's going to hold us responsible. You have to look into his word to make sure what you're being told is truth. And in doing that, you know, but God told Israel, he says, you've been here long enough. And at times, you know, I believe God in his mercy just prompts us, look, you've been here long enough. It's time to move. It's time to go. You've got to do this. And they go. And the Bible says they go to Jericho. And as as they go to Jericho, you know, I've always really envisioned that they're marching around Jericho. You got all the women and children, but... That was not remotely the scene. He tells them, he says, you take 20 and up the men of war and you march it with them. I mean, they went there to do battle and that was it. So they take, they march around it and we know the story and how it was done. But they went there after this is all afterwards. God said, you've been here long enough. It's time to go. And truly, truly, And I believe the things that we truly desire. Israel was so close to where they needed to be. And I don't know, I guess when you're traveling like they was to us, we go six, seven hundred miles in a day and, you know, it's nothing. But traveling with so many people like they was, if they ever realized just how close they was to the promise And I believe we can get into that mode and think, you know, like the promises are just way, (laughs) way out there and not really realize just how close the promise is and be just like Israel. The promise is just 11 miles. We're just 11 miles from it. You know, really, 11 miles? They was only 11 miles? That's pretty close. They was only 11 miles, you know. But that's what they went, you know, so... God said, you've compassed it. You've been there long enough. Start possessing the promises that you had, that you've got, that I've given you. Take this land. One scripture I want to look at, 
that I was thinking about is where Ezekiel, he's telling Ezekiel 37. I know this is a prophecy concerning, but I want to look at it from another angle concerning Israel in the last day. In Ezekiel 37, when he's prophesying to the dry bones, he says it like this in 37 9. Prophesying to the wind, unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. And then, yes, I'll just read that. Now, I understand what that means, but where he said, and breathe upon these slain. Now, when you're speaking, God said, my word won't return unto me void. So I believe God has said he has given us a spirit of reconciliation. So whether you're in a ministering or whether you're speaking one-on-one or whether you're doing Bible study or you're at the prison or whatever you're doing, the Bible says these prophesy and breathe on these that are slain. Now, I don't mean slain as are just bones. We all were slain. We all was without the Lord. We all needed to be breathed upon by the Holy Ghost. And then God said, when you do this, when you speak, he said prophesy, speak, literally. That means to let your words flow forth is literally what that means. And then he says, take and do this. And he says, prophesy unto the wind and say to the wind, come from the four winds. He's speaking of pulling Israel back uh, back together. But literally, what the slain needed was for breath in their nostrils. And literally, when you're taking and you're um, having a Bible study or you're witnessing or you're just speaking to someone, what we literally need is life. Life breathed into us, literally, each and every day. And the word of God is breathed. The word said, breathe on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So, and then one other scripture, and I want to leave with you, John, or Jesus was telling the Jews. In John 8, 31 and 32, Then Jesus said unto the Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make, make you free. Now, there are so many, so many traditions. There's so many beliefs. That's, and people says, you know, well, I believe this for so long. You know. It goes against what the Bible says. You know, he said, if you would continue in his word, then that's all you had to do. If you would continue in that word and believe in him, then you would know this truth. There's always, 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 always another revelation to be known of the Lord. It's never going to be where we've topped out, you know. And he's telling the Jews themselves, he said, if you would continue, then you would be a disciple. 
And then he said, you would know the truth. And that truth that he is saying there, I believe, this is me personally, I believe the truth he is speaking of, this was Jesus in the flesh talking to them. And where he says, you shall know the truth, you will know exactly who I am. You say I'm the son of God, but you will exactly know it was the God that came from heaven that dwelt in the flesh. Then you will know who that truth is, and I am that truth. I am the God that dwelt in this flesh. And that's going to be the truth that would make you free. That's why I said it, and I'll believe it, and I'm so thankful for the Bible, for the truth, is that knowing this truth is what's, I look at it as the door to understanding the revelation of who God is. Because knowing who Jesus is, he's just not the son of God. And not. And some people call it God the son. We should never refer to God that way. He is literally the God that was manifested in the flesh. And knowing who Jesus is. He, when the Bible says the son of God, it's referring to his flesh. But it is the God that left heaven, spirit, spirit form. He didn't leave heaven. God is a spirit. And dwelt in that body, knowing that, understanding that, I believe it opens so much revelation to this Bible, knowing who Jesus is. And for somebody to say that we're just Jesus only does not understand this. Because the Bible does not preach that or teach that. But knowing this, knowing who he is, and knowing what there is about this, and it's not... That's why it's, it, it has been said so many times, it's not just coming to church and going home. I mean, this is about knowing who God is and having a relationship with him. And if, if, if all we're, I'm serious, as serious as I was a while ago about children, if all I wanted to do is come and go to church, I'd stay at home, I promise you. I wouldn't come here. If it was just coming to church to say I went to church, I wouldn't come because I want, I want more than that. I want a relationship. I want to know God. I don't want heartache and trouble to hit me and then me think, what do I do now? I know what to do when something hits me. I don't have to wonder what to do. I don't have to, or when I go wrong or done something wrong, I know what to do. I repent. I know God will forgive me and for his mercy and everything he's done. And then I just God in his kindness. Yes, there is guidelines. There's boundaries. But there is also mercy and forgiveness. And we, and us of all people, we should never, ever, ever let nobody talk us, talk about grace more than us. I believe it, I'm telling you. Nobody should talk more about grace than us because God in his mercy, read of Israel. I'm telling you, you go to Judges and read where God literally said, the next time you want me, don't come to my door because I won't be there. Knock all you want. But Israel came a-knocking and God just couldn't turn them away. And why I believe so strong about knowing who God is, 
is Ruth. Her being a Moabite. Condemned. That's it. You're done. You're over. And when she said, your God is going to be my God. And God said, I won't turn that away. I will not turn that away. So knowing that just opens it up. It opens it up to everything else. There is. There is a lot of promises, a lot of great revelations that's given to his truth, in his truth, to his church. And there is boundaries, but I'm telling you, just as Israel, I don't know how many steps, I wish I did, I tell you, how many steps it was from one end to the other end. It was a lot. And it's the same way here when it comes to the New Testament church. There is so much to gain from just knowing God and his mercy and his promises and his goodness. And I thank him for it. So let's stand. Let's pray. Continue to pray for Brother and Sister Boyd others that I'm, I'm sure not aware of. But um, thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to me. And so let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you for your goodness. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.